Hi, my name is Britton LaRue, and this is the Moon to Moon podcast, where I talk about embracing change, healing the inner child. I talk about deprogramming from unhelpful conditioning, and I talk about coming home to our most beautiful, essential self. And I do this through the lens of the things that interest me. So astrology, the tarot, intuition, energy healing, mindfulness, mythology, storytelling. I also bring in a lot of critical theory and history of visual culture because this is also part of my toolkit and my long background. In this episode, which I'm really excited about, I cover a lot Um, I guess you could say it meanders, but I I try to weave in some key themes throughout. I talk about why Mercury cycles are really helpful and fascinating if you start tracking them. And so I really present that to any beginners or any even intermediate people who want to learn more about working with the Mercury cycle, I introduce where we are now so you can just go ahead and get started from the present moment. I talk about the full moon, which is May 7th, and how I feel like this is one that really requires some good emotional processing. So this whole episode is in fact an opportunity to invite in some processing. So then I get into talking about the current energies in the air and how right now Uh, We can think about the qualities that we're in to be kind of like being in a fishbowl. And so I'll discuss discuss all of that once we're in it. And I invite you to keep listening. Uh, If astrology is here to be helpful, which I propose that it is, there's always medicine for working with the presented energies. So I talk about how to work with fishbowl energies to be supporting to yourself. Then I get really into Taurus as rich medicine for us right now. We're in a new moon in Taurus lunar cycle. As you know, we're in Taurus sun season. And Taurus, at its essence, just has so much for us right now. I really feel like in order for astrology not to be um, just sort of thin and like wispy or um, shallow, like it's really about getting to like the marrow and to the essence of what the language is trying to teach us. So I try to do that the best I can with Taurus. About an hour in, I swing into a section of Taurus medicine where I talk about the Queen of Pentacles. And I just want to give a little trigger warning there that I do talk about the Queen of Pentacles and Taurus medicine as helping us with embodiment practices and presencing practices, which are what trauma specialists present as really essential tools for healing from any kinds of past traumas that bring us into disassociation from the body. And so I really believe in that medicine, but some people might not be up for that and that's okay. And it's good to listen to yourself. So when you start to hear me talk about queen of pentacles and you just know that you don't want to hear about anything related to trauma, just go ahead and bump ahead 10 minutes and you can just skip over that part. It's really good to do that if you know that that's not what you want right now. Uh, I talk a lot about boundaries in this episode, 
how to work with boundaries, how to set boundaries. I think boundaries are really important for right now. So you can hear that in this episode. And finally, I end with a tarot reading. I had pulled four cards from the Dali, the Salvador Dali tarot, which is really beautiful right before I pressed record. And it's one of those rich readings that I feel like is going to be with me for a while. It may be with you for a while. It has a lot there. It's um, really lovely. So I hope you stick around for that. I'll have the image in my Instagram at Britton LaRue if you want to be able to access the visuals um, that I describe. So thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. I'm grateful for this opportunity to share what's on my heart and what's on my mind and what's alive in me right now. I hope that it serves you as well as it serves me. And let's get into it then. Thank you. So it's May 4th. 2020. It's a Monday. And as I start this recording, Mercury is in the exact heart of the sun, meaning that from the perspective from the earth, Mercury is exactly like where the sun is in the sky. So let me break down some of that vocabulary for you and talk about why I would care about that for astro beginners, because everyone is welcome at this podcast. Mercury is the planet that we associate with the mind in terms of like our mental abilities and capacities, in terms of like how we create meaning logically in terms of our perceptions and interpretations about what the meaning of something is. And so as you can imagine, that's a really important part of who we are, our Mercury part of self. Our Mercury part of self helps to shape our determination about reality. Because what we decide something's meaning is, or what we decide the story is, or like how we interpret the meaning of anything around us essentially guides and creates the reality that we then experience. So it's a really important thing, I think, I found in my life to approach our mental part of self, our mercury part of self to go hey like what's this meaning i'm creating or what's this narrative that i'm believing or what is this persuasive um story that's coming to me from a person or from the news or from my own brain what is this what is the rhetoric of the story and how is it trying to get me to um create a reality based around that perception. And the more you practice this, the more interesting working with your mind becomes because you see just like how wildly (laughs) creative and um, uh, active the mind can be in its story-making. And so astrology is the study of cycles among many things. We can study a lot of cycles. Calling this podcast Moon to Moon, I focus a lot on lunar cycles, like what's going on in the relationship between the moon and the sun 
and how do they interrelate with other planets and what signs are they in and things like that. I mean, that the lunar cycle is the cycle that I most follow in my life. But Mercury is really interesting too. So you've probably heard about this thing called Mercury retrograde. When a planet is retrograde, what we mean is that it appears from the perspective of the Earth to be moving backwards. This is like a perception thing. They're not actually going backwards. It's like when you're on a train and you're at a station and then a train next to you starts moving and you have this weird vertigo feeling of like, wait, are we moving or is that train moving? Like what's going on? And so that sensibility of things being a little off in many ways is a good way of thinking about retrogrades because when a planet is retrograde, since the ancients who've been tracking this, um, who, who got a head start on tracking this for us thousands of years ago, they've been noticing patterns with planetary movements in the sky and things that happen to humans on the earth. And what has been noticed and agreed upon over thousands of years is that when a planet is retrograde, it's like we're being invited to realign and reevaluate with that planet and what its principles are. So Mercury's principles then have to do with the mind and how we make meaning and how we're working with narratives and how we're working with our brain chemistry. And so what we say in astrology is that a Mercury cycle begins when a planet is retrograde. It's retrograde three weeks, three times a year. When it meets the sun as it's going, quote unquote, backwards, because it's always near the sun, right? Mercury's really... Um, close to the sun and it moves really quickly around the sun. So this happens fairly regularly. And it's always like around the sign of wherever the sun happens to be. So when Mercury is retrograde, it's quote unquote moving backwards and it reaches the sun. And we call that the beginning of a cycle. So then it gets quote unquote behind the sun and continues to move backwards stations direct, starts to move forwards, quote unquote, again, and eventually meets the sun again. Then it gets in front of the sun, so to speak, goes forward until it begins its next retrograde cycle. Again, that happens three times a year. So what's happening today as I'm speaking right now is that Mercury has come back to the sun after the Mercury retrograde period that you may remember that we had in late February and early March late February and early March, a really important time of 2020. So February 26th, 25th was the beginning of this last, of the Mercury cycle that we're in right now. So like February 25th, if you are a journaler like me, you can like go right to the page, you know, you can go right to where you were at that time, like this is what was coming up. This is what was happening in my life. This is why journaling is at the center of my life. It's why I create journaling workbooks because it's like tracking, like tracking where we are with things, tracking our cycles is really, really helpful to the lived experience to understand what I really care about, which is what am I learning? So if you go back to February 25th, then you might be able to think about like, 
And if you have a planner, you know, you can go back to that too. Like what, what appointments did I have that day? And that might help you remember things on the mind, conversations, what you were listening to, what passed your hands to look at and read. And that day probably brought you something that was that is a narrative arc that is playing out over this cycle until the end of June when this cycle will be completed. And so another key date would be around March 9th, that week of March 9th when Mercury stationed direct. A lot of information kind of floods out then of like, whoa, these are the stories my mind's on right now. So you can go back to that week. And so now um, we can acknowledge that our mind, our information, our meaning making, everything has been speeding up since that time. Slowly at first, but across April and now into May, getting faster and faster as Mercury is speeding up from the position of the Earth and going really fast now through Taurus. So I'm honoring today because the idea is that when Mercury is in the heart of the Sun in Kazemi, we have access to kind of like I like to think about it as like an illuminated mind, you know, like something is illuminated by the Sun to help us be like, I see what I'm learning. And it's been happening to me already like crazy today. Part of this, right, is because I invited in. If you invite it in, it comes. I have just been getting so many messages that have been kind of crazy and how helpful they have been to me, um, just sort of like scooting across my lap. Like, remember you were on this, you've been thinking about this. So I'm really grateful today for feeling attached and in conversation with synchronicities. So even if you're listening to this later, you might think back to Monday, May 4th and what conversations, posts, articles, ideas, dreams you may have been having to light up your thoughts and your ability to understand what you've been learning. So for me, I had this incredible dream last night. This was sort of the beginning of it. And it was a repeat dream, actually. I remembered later today that I had already had this dream. How do I know this? Because I happened to open to the page in my journal where I had written it down. (laughs) I had this dream that Mercury was trying to talk to me and tell me to seek a hole in like a dark space to seek a hole and to push my hands through it and peel the hole away to come forward into lightness. And so I don't fully know what it means beyond the idea of thinking about like how we put limitations on what's possible for ourselves and what's possible with time and what's possible with our energy and what's possible in our relationships, and what's possible with our community, and what's possible as a country, and what's possible as a world and as a cosmos, including all sentient beings and our relationship to all sentient beings of nature. We put limits on what's possible 
And if we can just look for the ability to kind of like pierce through that, those limitations into something brighter, um, it looks pretty light on the other side of all limitations. It's a practice I engage in very regularly, but I feel like every time I drop deeper into it, I realize like what a beginner I was before, and that's okay. Like you're never gonna become a master of something unless you go through a period of like fumbling around and like not really knowing what you're doing and messing up and failing and so forth. I'm fully uh, um, into failing and stumbling now that I have more practice at seeing that it's worth it. So I say that to you in case you're needing a little push on something that it's worth it to fumble. It's the only way to get to more mastery. And so I took a week off from recording last week in my dedication to, well, let me just close out. that I'm grateful to Mercury for that insight and for all the insights that's been coming through since February 25th. Mm. May it continue to come and open me and open you. As I was saying, the last time I recorded, it was a dark moon in Aries, in the Aries cycle. I haven't recorded anything since because I've just been really in the, in the throes of Taurus medicine. Um, it's awkward. It can feel awkward to make intentions with a new moon when you're like, I don't even know what's happening next week. <laughs> How can I like project forward a goal or a wish of some kind when I don't know anything and everything feels obscure and no one knows anything and yada yada. I've fumbled with this myself and I think that what's com- I feel that what's coming is the necessity of getting more specific with the essence of the sign energy, like the get closer into the, to the essence of the thing in you and focus there. Because we may not know about how to manifest things, so to speak, right? If we don't have income coming in. There's, there, it is hard to make goals and intentions, especially if your life feels like it's in a free fall or if you're in like a lot of uh, uncomfortable feelings. If you're in a home that feels very dangerous or feels unsafe for your self-care, there's so many conditions in which it can feel really hard right now to feel magical or to feel like what is the point of setting an intention you know i i really do understand that so for me what i've been focusing on is some thick taurus medicine of slowing down and i'm going to get further into taurus medicine later but slowing down being really rhythmic with my body and my like patterns of the day, being very in presence 
and now and being very practical and like earthy with my home and with my children and with my um, my resources I started a lot of projects in Aries season I'm Aries rising love to start things (laughs) so now I need to be Taurus and take care of those things one of those things I started was this podcast but Um, I decided when I started this podcast that I was never going to allow like a quote unquote like rule about, you know, you got to do it this many times to be something that was going to hamper me and that it was really going to be about just contributing a thought when there was one. So now we're fully into Taurus lunar cycle and I'm feeling like This full moon that's approaching on the 7th in Scorpio, which is a water sign and very deep and very interested in like accessing the deeper truths of what's going on ever. Like Scorpio is not interested in like just banter, like or just um, going about things and not questioning them. Scorpio is an energy in all of us that's like, yeah, but what's the truth here? Like, what's the essence of this for me? Just say it, even if it's hard, you know? So I feel like this week it's appropriate, even though right now the moon is in Libra, the week has this full moon energy that's going to be like, let's process this. So I'm here. Let's process some things. The deal with my approach to astrology, and you may have heard me talk about this before, is that since astrology is not a belief system, since astrology is um, really a way of just helping us um, co-create with the universe based on the information To me, the question is not, is astrology real? The question is, is it helpful? So that's one thing. Is it helpful? What I'm about to propose to you. And two, I always say, all astrology is neutral. Everything is neutral. It's about how we work with the invitation of the energies. And so... With that in mind, I would like to speak a little bit about, like, what might be helpful? (laughs) What might be helpful to have in our pockets, you know, in our journaling, in our free space, if we're able to get outside and take a walk, if we're able to zen out a little bit while cooking, and can kind of put our mind into contemplation. If we have no time during the day and we can invite something to come to us and give us some information while we sleep, what might it be helpful to have with us right now in our space, in our minds, in our hearts to think about right now, this week, And into next week is where I'm really looking, but it kind of just keeps on going on into June. So 
Yes. Astrology of 2020 has been talked about for years. So there, there is a lot. But I'm going to condense like without getting jargony and technical with the vocab words. I'm going to look at um, what I think would be most helpful to talk about thematically. So something that I'm looking at just from a human being perspective, like just a human over here with my own subjective, um, my own subjective ex human experience based on like um, my tools and circumstances, my biases and my, um, my mental models from my upbringing. From my own perspective, I've noticed that being in quarantine in the home, and again, because it's, I'm talking about my subjective experience, I'm also talking about the experience of working through a pandemic where you're at home as opposed to being at work, working from home with kids, is that being in the home space a lot is, has a kind of like fishbowl quality of being contained and like thinking that you're seeing the world but it's from this kind of st strange and optically um, confused perspective and astrologically what I can say about that is it relates in many ways to what we would look at in the bottom of a chart, which is your fourth house where your IC is, which is like the, the space of your chart that speaks most to your experience of your childhood home and your experience of your family vibes and your experiences of like growing up in the house that you grew up in and then how you import those experiences and um, like psychic sensibilities into your current living space. And so that whole fourth house to me kind of has a fishbowl quality because when you're a kid, your experience of reality is very fishbowl depending on the kind of home your parents gave you. And it's like hard to know what anybody else's home is like because you only know what your home is, right? And so I remember as a kid, I'd go to, a friend's house and I just like couldn't believe like you, you live like this not in a good or bad way just like what <laughs> I just thought everyone lived just like my house you know <laughs> and there it's it's like this quality of like you have your little reality but everything outside your reality is distorted because you can only really see what's right around you and there's not a sense of like broad perspective, like in a chart, you would say some of the houses across from, um, across from the fourth house offer. So there's this fishbowl quality and I feel like the, it works really well with an archetype teacher, which is like a human principle that we all identify with no matter when, where, how we grew up across human time, which is the archetype in astrology of Neptune. 
Neptune is a principle that speaks to um, wetness, <laughs> a, a sense of, um, of, of illusion and disillusion, uh, like not really understanding reality very well because things are through the mist. It's a sense of um, wanting to connect with something beyond the self. So there can be a desire to connect through spirituality or meditation, kind of altered states. Altered states is very Neptune. Um, paranoia can be really Neptune. Neptune ha is not known as a principle for its discernment and clear, clear sightedness, clear thinking because Neptune is really about altered states and it's really like getting beyond the, um, the, the material plane. And so I feel like there's this quality of Neptune at play within the home space, that fishbowl water space of like TVs and Netflix is very Neptune because it's like you're not in your body when you're watching a screen. You know, you're, you're in the screen. It's like you're kind of sucked into it. That's altered state, Neptune. There's drinking. There's such a, like, if there's anything I'm hearing, it's that people are, are drinking like so much right now. Um, drinking to escape, drinking to cope, drinking to, because of boredom, drinking because of frustration. Like as, as someone who's has alcohol is like a major part of their life story, I know that there is always a reason to drink. <laughs> like, there's always a reason to drink. And so uh, right now, there's a lot of reasons to drink. Um, so I know this. That's, it's very Neptunian to be into alcohol um, because it's an altered state. It, it like um, dissolves the harsh lines, you know, alcohol does. So, so does, so do the stories in screens. Uh, um, scrolling in a feed is Neptune because it's like oh my gosh an hour just passed and I've just been like doing who knows what on Instagram like lost in a trance that's very Neptune or like lost in reading you know 20 articles about COVID-19 and testings and uh, opening restrictions and I mean you can get so lost in that fishbowl. It's still, it's a fishbowl because the fish can see what the humans are doing, but it doesn't really understand what it means to walk around on feet or like what happens when you leave, when the human leaves the house and you're still in your bowl, even though you can think that you know what's going on, like the, the fish doesn't know what a human is experiencing. So likewise, there's this sense right now of like attempting to think you know what's going on through, you know, conversations with people, talking on the phone, Zoom, whatever, like everyone's talking, everyone's reading, everyone's scrolling, but do we really understand anything? Do we really know what's going on in the labs or like in the rooms of people who control things? Do we have any idea? Do we have any idea what people are thinking who have totally different 
realities than us right now. Like we really don't know anything beyond our fishbowl. So there's something about that that really wants medicine. Like it really needs, like what do you do with that? And like on top of it, this there's a lot of retrogrades that are happening around now astrologically like again if astrology is here to help us if astrology is here to um, give us some suggestions for how to work with energies when when lots of planets are going to be retrograde and it's happening in kind of a domino effect um, now pluto's already retrograde we have saturn going retrograde this weekend then we're going to have venus and then jupiter go retrograde so um all of that has a vibe of like the tape is rewinding, like we're watching a rewind, like what? Like what's happening? Like more fishbowl, like more like I don't understand what's going on. There's illogic, there's slippery news, there's like everyone with their opinions, so many different opinions. Um, so how do we work with this energy? So for me, in the language of astrology, what's helped me, first of all, to think about Neptune is drawing, drawing, drawing energy, which is Saturn. As a principle, Saturn can teach us a lot of things when the world is over Neptune. And by the way, I didn't say, but Neptune is heavily aspected right now in a lot of the astrology. So that's another reason why I'm bringing Neptune up is there's a lot that's going on in this period that's coming up starting already where we're not really sure what's going on. Everything's kind of a fantasy and um, a caper and a horror story at the same time you know so what do we do saturn for me in my life being someone that's heavily neptune and has worked with over wetness a lot saturn has several reasons ways that it helps us as an energy saturn being a principle that teaches us about discipline and hard work uh, and being kind of more stern, responsible, and adult with yourself. So one of the most important ways that Saturn can help all of us right now is that Saturn rules boundaries and walls and rules. So I feel like we're really in a time when a time comes where you have to realize like nobody's going to come in and give you your boundaries once you're an adult. Like you're the only one. And I'm saying that kind of jokingly because I've had to, it took me so long to understand this. Like nobody's going to come in and tell you to stop this. Like you're the only one. And so for me, when I finally began to hear Saturn trying to talk to me, which is related to transits I was having in my chart, um, I was able to just kind of wake up to like, oh, self-responsibility, what a word. <laughs> and a huge part of self-responsibility is owning your boundaries. So I just want to like pause on that just for a second. Boundaries being like, there's so many ways we can talk about boundaries, but essentially it's kind of like saying what you, 
being the gatekeeper in your life between what comes in and what comes, comes out of your space. And for me, space is physical for sure, but I'm especially mean like your emotional and energetic and psychic space. And we do this in the name of protecting our energy and our health, our mental health, our emotional health, so that we ha- can like um, hear ourselves and hear our own information and hear our own wise inner voice without everybody else, like including like people you don't even know, like news, no- news voices that are crowding up your space. And so I highly recommend, like what I found is that you, you have to be very clear with yourself around like, what, what um, makes you feel anxious, who makes you feel anxious right now, um, what helps and what doesn't help your emotional, mental state vis-a-vis information. And this can be tricky, like when we want the emotional comfort of loved ones or someone, but they have a tendency to talk about things that make you uncomfortable, right? So there has to be then a decision that you make about who you're responsible to. And you can set conversational boundaries, like I really want to talk, but we're not going to talk. I'd like to not talk about da-da-da-da-da. There can be a sense of like, people will be mad at me if I don't, whatever, call every day, uh, join the Zoom, um, go sit out in the yard six feet away. And there can be this feeling, if you're like me, where you feel like you quote unquote have to, or people will be quote unquote mad at you, (laughs) or like their feelings will be hurt, you perceive. Um, or maybe you worry they won't be friends with you anymore. They won't like you. Or maybe if you're super empathic, you might think like, well, if I don't, then they'll feel bad about themselves because, you know, they need me to be there so I can prop them up, you know? And so there's all these things that we can do to give ourselves away as in self-abandonment, like lose ourselves in order to feel like it's our job to save somebody, make somebody feel better, what have you. But this can also be Neptune because Neptune can be a part of us that like wants to be a martyr or wants to think that um, we can save people by hold lovingly and compassionately holding all of their pain or their or the other person's addictions, the other person's demons, that it's like our job in life to show up to do that. But that's not a fair contract, as I like to say. So it really is a time for practicing our best boundaries with ourselves, boundaries with the phone, boundaries with advice, boundaries with the news, you, re- you really don't need to, to listen every day or check in every day. Like, things don't change that quickly. They just don't. Again, it's like the fish presuming things about the humans as they leave the home. Like, we can't presume that 
morning and evening or all day news checking is helping anyone or that we're actually getting good information or information that is going to help us. So really good boundaries. Saturn can be so helpful right now. Boundaries help helping you with like um, just drying up. Like if you're, if you're feeling saturated with water because of um, escaping or over drinking right now, I mean, I totally have so much compassion and I'm not here to tell anybody what to do as they're working with the given circumstances. I really have no judgment. I'm just here to speak to like my younger self basically to say like, hey babe, this is what I would say, have said to my younger self, like it's not actually helping, you know? And Saturn can really help with just sort of like becoming more temperate, um, more moderate, more more ordered, more disciplined, and more clear-eyed, more clear-eyed, so that the the fogginess and the mistiness of um, a hangover or of alcohol isn't um, holding you back from what could potentially be like uh, some important work that you could be in right now. Because the goal is when we're working with Neptune is to find our best clear discernment or discernment to be able to try to see clearly, to be able to see clearly. And we get, we, so because there's going to be so, there's so many opinions and there's so many people with their opinions that ultimately it's on each of us to come to our own best discernment of what sounds right and what sounds fair and what sounds um, best for the greater good. And we're going to have to be okay with disagreeing with people. And that's that's another kind of boundary from Saturn. Saturn's like the reputation of being no fun because of how stern that energy is and how dry it is. But what I've found is it's not about swinging the pendulum necessarily all the way. It's really about finding a way to get dry enough that you can kind of own your life with clear eyes. At the end of the day, what is really needed right now is more earth element. And that's where Taurus is also here to help us. Earth element being about showing up for our material life, like what we can touch, what is in our spaces, the bodies here, our wooden chairs here, our candles are here, the ground is beneath us, you put your hands on the food, you cut the potatoes, you eat the potatoes. <laughs> like our material life, and this um, is me going back to what I was saying earlier about working with Taurus energy to support you right now, is like getting really specific with the actual essence of Taurus is so helpful for centering amidst just like a lot of the chaos that is coming from Um, Neptune and Venus being in Gemini and things are going to get more Gemini 
And if you don't know what I mean, what matters is that the energy of Pisces and Gemini, which is kind of like what we're moving towards here, is, is kind of all over the place. I love those two signs. They're central to my life. I'm hugely a fan of both. However, working with those energies and knowing that not everyone works skillfully with the energies of the universe, what we can see is like just so, it's kind of just like a lot of choices and a lot of options and a lot of people changing their mind in a lot of different directions and a lot of information and like, I could go this way and I could go that way. I don't know what to do. So Taurus, which roots and grounds into the earth, Saturn is also related to Earth. Taurus is here to center and to ground us back home amidst all that noise. So it's at this point then that I would like to swing into an offering that I've been doing since Libra, which is to talk about the teachings of a sign the way I do. Those of you who are in my circle, those of you who maybe get my workbooks that I make for signs called Living the Signs, um, you are already familiar with like the language, the types of language that I use for talking about signs. So it's always a pleasure to share what I've learned about how each sign helps my life. As I've let go of my over-identification with one, two, or three signs and let every sign teach me all the time and all year round and every single day, I open up facets of myself that are, have been hidden to me or have been given over to other people to live for me. So I call myself back home. So Taurus has been very, very powerful medicine for me over the last few years as I've tried to bring earth element back to my, back to my life. Some people call it getting your shit together. <laughs> yes. Um, I also think of it as um, committing to living here on this earth and in this body. Taurus is very, has been very good to me and uh, it's still a work in progress. My relationship to Taurus on some things more than others, but um, I always crack open with Taurus and I'm grateful and so happy to be able to share Taurus with you. So every sign is related to the sign that precedes it. I like to say that each sign dreams of the next one. So Aries dreamed of Taurus. Aries is the birth of spring. It's that fire energy of starting something with your fire, your will, your passion, your creativity, your personal agency, 
your determination, your bravery, your courage. You're like, I want this to happen. I'm going to make it happen. So all that fire is so powerful. It goes up. It's it's exciting. Oh my gosh, here we go. We've started a thing. We're writing the thing. But fire can burn out, right? And like, we have to finish things. So Taurus is this, and like Aries is like, Taurus, I need you, come. And Taurus is this rooting energy, this energy that sustains and says, I will make this last. And so it meets that Aries energy of like a sprouting plant, let's say, and then it becomes the structure of the trunk of the plant and the roots of the plant so that this tree can actually, or this plant can actually live and sustain life beyond just sprouting upward. So it's like a new energy is required. So Taurus is this earth energy that is about rooting and stability and steadfastness and dependability. It's like slow and steady is how you make this last. So it's about tending and cultivating and doing work and like kind of plodding along really to make sure that like everything is being done properly so that there's no like problems with the foundation basically. So in a project, the Taurus period begins like after the madness of the great ideas and you're like, okay, well now let's do this thing. I'm going to have to do this, the execution of this now. In the language of astrology, the sign that's the middle of a season is what we call fixed energy. So it roots down into the essence of what that season is about. And so Taurus is like the essence of spring because it's such garden energy. It's like everything's blooming now. Like we're in spring. We're officially in spring. This is what it is. So being fixed earth then, earth being the slowest of the elements and fixed signs being the most rooted of the modalities we call them. Taurus then is the most stubborn. It's the most like this I uh, slow to change, the most like dependable, but then the most likely to um, not want to leave what it's worked so hard to build because there's this like, this is where I am. I'm here and I don't go anywhere else. So that Taurus part of ourselves is really where we know ourselves very well in a rooted way of like, this is the most stubborn kind of slow to change part of who I am because I've, I've decided to root here. I've decided to root into this place. So the essence of Taurus has to do with stain- sustainability. That's a big word. It's a really important word, sustainability. It has to do with dependability. It has to do with like building, building something that lasts. In the middle of 
for a season, we celebrate May Day or Beltane in the Celtic calendar, which is the midpoint then between the spring equinox that began Aries and the summer solstice, which will begin Cancer. And so we're, we're in this special moment of being in pure spring where we can celebrate the fertility of the world that's around us. We can celebrate how the earth nourishes us and takes care of us and is going to help us continue to live. So this, the planetary archetype that we associate with Taurus is Venus. Venus being the archetype that's ultimately about magnetizing and receiving what you want. Being able to, the idea being that if you're soft enough and open enough to receive what you would like, you will be more fertile and thus more able to sustain and take care of and create more things of what you want. So it's tied to fertility, but but it's also about being able to receive things, to be able to receive pleasure, to receive compliments, to receive help, to receive support, to receive nourishment, to receive beauty. These are not easy things because we often put limits on this. So a lot of my Taurus workbook is about engaging in questions and tarot spreads and rituals and ideas to get the reader to think about those limits that we place on sustainability and on pleasure and on something that lasts that will be beautiful because the special thing that Venus gives Taurus is it says Venus says may it be beautiful may this sustainable thing may this thing that I'm depending on, this home, this garden, be beautiful. May it be sensual. May I delight in the smells and in the touches of this place. So make it yummy is a good word for what Venus wants, what Venus gives to Taurus is like the yumminess of life. Yummy foods, yummy flowers, yummy blankets, yummy touch on my skin that yumminess is often i found what we through little and small ways across our lives learn to begin to deprive ourselves and thus we lose touch with taurus taurus is not like fancy things that's like skewed taurus that is um deformed taurus because of our culture's weird priorities. True Taurus, like essence of Taurus, comes down to the most basic thing, like a blueberry popping open on your tongue. Like, whoa, yum. You know, but we learn, or I, and for my part, you know, I learn to just like not even taste food anymore. Just eat it really fast, like didn't enjoy it like didn't think pleasure was like a thing to to want in like a sensual way because pleasure was just like the nice restaurant or the the nice things but ultimately those things were always in the end empty 
And so then you feel despair because like, but I thought that was beauty, you know? But we can forgive ourselves for being confused by what was presented to us as true Taurus. And we can begin to come home to real Taurus, one blueberry at a time. (laughs) It's true though, they are wonderful. So this symbol for Taurus is the bull and the cow that speaks to that sense of being stubborn, but also the virility of the bull and the, the nourishment that a cow has been offering cultures for thousands of years, both in its milk, in its um, slaughter. It, the cow is just long, long time been central for humans when it comes to thinking about nourishment and fertility and um, sustaining life for the continuing of life, things like that, that is all part of what Taurus is. So a huge theme for Taurus then is this idea of what we call abundance, right? Because isn't that what we're trying to sustain Like, isn't the goal abundance? Like the things we're sustaining, the things we're working towards, the things we want to build, we want to come to some kind of abundance. But like, what is abundance? It's a really great question to ask. What is abundance to me? Hmm. You know, there's so many opinions about abundance. You know, we're surrounded by advertising and these definitions of like glamour and what makes like live in my best life, best lifers. And like, I was once told I was a best lifer and I was like, what? (laughs) That really cracked me up because I don't identify with that at all. I always look at things that are clearly like best life. And I, I immediately feel that it, in the advertisement of it, it feels false. So understanding your relationship to abundance is one of the centers of my Taurus workbook and what I think about Taurus. And of course, what comes on the other side of it is in an infinity loop is the idea of scarcity. And this is so sensitive right now. Writing the book, I was very, is like very tender to talk about scarcity at this time. Um, who is it? Swami Kriyananda in his book, Your Sun Sign is a Spiritual Guide. He talks about how at the root of Taurus is doubt. Because there's this element of doubt of like, will I be able to create sustainability? Will I be able to make something that lasts? Will this work? This abundance plan that I have going for myself. And I, so I feel like this is also why it's really good to get to the essence of the definition of abundance for us in ways that help us work with that tenderness that is the doubt and it is definitely the tenderness that is the fear of scarcity. I means scarcity, language, and rhetoric 
has been built into our economic system for at least 200 years. This idea of like there not being enough of overpopulation and like there won't be enough food supply and everybody's got to hoard their resources because um, there's never going to be enough for you unless you like figure out your way to work hard and climb. And, you know, right now I feel like we're just seeing the horrific underbelly of this entire um, system, systemic way of thinking about money and abundance is that um, what it fuels, the hoarding that it fuels and the inequity and injustice that it um, is like the food of scarcity mindset uh, is, has hor- horrific consequences. And it's very present right now. And it's tender. And so at the heart of abundance, really, at the end of the day, it's like, what do you value? That's what abundance comes down to is what do you value? And our values change. We are handed values as children and adolescents and as young adults. We are handed values. Here you go. Like, here's your, here's your, um, here's your values, you know? And a lot of what happens like around late 20s, Saturn return and into adulthood is just this growing, gnawing sense of like, disconnect like I don't know if that's what I value Uh uh-oh I've built my whole life around this other definition of abundance and that's okay like we're meant to evolve change is the only sure thing nature teaches us this we're meant to evolve our values and this is part of the process of becoming wise, self-responsible adults is taking ownership of our values and not letting anyone else tell us what they are. Like not seeking opinions, boundaries around my definition of values. Nobody else is allowed in. I decide. But for many people, you might think you don't have like, quote unquote, permission to do that. And that's just something to move through. So I feel like this time that we're living in really does offer an opportunity for a reassessment of values, you know, of like, wow, I'm really learning that I value X, Y, Z because we're, our lives have shifted. So like we're seeing them differently. And then you realize like at the end of the day, I just really need dot, dot, dot. There it is. Those are the values. There's abundance. Just work on those, you know? That's abundance. So whatever the outside world says is abundance doesn't have to have any, have to have any say in yours. And people may not understand and that's okay. People may be like, you're a different person now. It's like, yeah, I evolved my values. So um, I do think that Taurus medicine right now can be really helpful so that we can get clarity on that. That's an important thing to have clarity around. 
What are my values? Here they are. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, this is actually all I really need to worry about in terms of my abundance. So when we're thinking about Taurus and we're thinking about the material world, the body comes first. It's like there's the body here, and then there's like, okay, home, shelter, stuff, fridge is full, okay, home, garden, okay, got that going. Then it's like business, your assets, your finances, your investments. It builds beyond, but it all really starts with the body. And that's where I feel like it's, things can get tripped up in terms of like self-worth issues or um, a commitment to a sustainable um, work-life flow because there can be just this sense of like being disconnected from the body and disconnected from feeling in the body that can happen in life from small and large experiences of trauma. So in my Taurus book, and this is what I wanted to look at here, I have this section about Taurus and the tarot and I talk about the Queen of Pentacles. And if you don't work with the tarot and you've never seen the Queen of Pentacles, it's okay, no big deal, I'll explain. So it's a card that whatever deck you're working with, there's usually an image of a woman, a female identifying figure who is in a garden of some kind, like surrounded maybe by flowers and yummy things. Maybe there's like a bowl of fruit. So um, in the tarot, and I've talked about this on here before, but it's important to note for anyone new to the tarot that any court card, it doesn't matter what the gender is, like all of them are you because you, everyone has masculine and feminine energy within them that they're working with. So everyone is a queen of pentacles in some way. Let me read here about what I wrote and I hope you'll stick with me because I I think this is my most powerful part of my Taurus workbook. And it condenses everything in like lovely ways that um, I would probably not be able to convey if I was just riffing. So I wrote um, in the tarot, all four of the queens are aligned with the water element. Thus, they suggest an inward emotional intuitive connection with the element they carry. Here, the queen is tied to pentacles, earth element. In the card, we see a queen seated on a throne decorated in Taurus symbolism, the goats, cow, fruit, and angels. She is outside, framed by a kind of arbor or trellis. And by the way, I'm, I'm referring to like a, a depiction of from the Smith Rider Waite deck, um, which is a deck from 1910, from which most other decks are in some way referencing or challenging. I use it because it's like the most well-known image of the Queen of Pentacles, not because it's like the best Queen of Pentacles or the one that you should uh, like the most or anything. She is outside. Okay. 
She's on a hillside with a valley in the middle ground and mountains in the distance. In the foreground, a rabbit leaps into the frame, suggesting the fertility of springtime. In her hand, she holds a large golden pentacle, which is like a big circle with a star on it, and her gaze is fully absorbed therein. What strikes me most about this card is the gravity of the of the a focus between body, pentacle, and ground. Since queens focused on the most internal possible relationship to a suit, this card is about a deep connection to the body. Alejandro Hodorowski wrote that if the Queen of Pentacles spoke, this is what she would say. I, the Queen of Pentacles, place my desire for going beyond, not in the beyond, but right here in the heart of matter, stretching with all my might toward a single point, I become concentrated within the golden circle that is my symbol. I do not hold the slightest hint of going beyond myself. I am everything towards which I aspire. You could say I am greedy, narrow-minded, stubborn, and egotistical. I would say rather that I am imminent. Who can distract me? Who can dominate me? Who knows how to make me deviate from my interests? I defend my territory with a strength beyond measure. There is no past. If there is a past, it is right here. And right here is where my entire future is. Country, fortune, possessions, practical mind. If I were not there, who would be the cement of the kingdom? I am the guardian of the treasure I am the dog that defends the sun buried in her heart at the cost of her life. End quote. So then I continue. I am imminent. I am M A N E N T. This phrasing is to me the most profound of the many evocative points Hodorowsky offers there. It means to be indwelling, inherent, intrinsic, inborn to be fully within the possible limits of the self. And what is moving and poignant about this has to do with what we know about the ways that trauma, whether subtle or major, forgotten or remembered, repeated or isolated, trauma disassociates us from the body. In his remarkable book, The Body Keeps the Score, Bessel van der Kolk, shares what he has learned working across decades with thousands of patients who suffer from PTSD and other forms of trauma. He shows how trauma works in our various body systems, how it interferes with brain circuitry in ways that disconnect one from the body in order to avoid anything re-traumatizing. He writes, quote, traumatized people chronically feel unsafe inside their bodies. The past is alive in the form of gnawing interior discomfort. Their bodies are constantly bombarded by visceral warning signs and in an attempt to control these processes, they often become expert at ignoring their gut feelings and in numbing awareness of what is played out inside. They learn to hide from their selves." End quote. I continue, most people I work with meaning me as a consulting astrologer and tarot reader. Most people I work with don't realize until they get into the self-healing process that there has been some level of trauma. 
Self-healing involves a brave recognition of patterns of numbing and disassociating from the body, including one's intuition, to cope with some combination of hard memories, series of invalidations, horrific incidents, a persistent sense of being unseen, and so on. Add this to to the prevailing distractions of modern life and we find ourselves in a culture deeply needing a return to the body. Vanderkolk continues, quote, the essence of trauma is that it is overwhelming, unbelievable, and unbearable. Each patient demands that we suspend our senses of what is normal and accept that we are dealing with a dual reality. The reality of a relatively secure and predictable present that lives side by side with a ruinous ever-present past. In order to change, people need to become aware of their sensations and the way that their bodies interact with the world around them. Physical self-awareness is the first step in releasing the tyranny of the past. In, end quote. In his book, Van der Kolk discusses how mindfulness practices, yoga and meditation are treatments that are highly effective for healing and rewiring the brain. The return home has to do with the Queen of Pentacles. I am imminent, she says. The fixed earth of Taurus, focused and centered within. A simple mantra I created for myself when I'm traveling or with people a lot or otherwise feeling less less fixed within is this. In this body, on this earth, at this moment. And I touch the skin across my legs and arms. I pay attention to the contact points between my feet and the floor. I notice myself where I am and then I feel better. I feel more imminent. So that is the section from my Taurus workbook, still available from my website if you would like a copy. So you know, I think that what has been so helpful about returning I didn't know that I used to disassociate, dissociate from the body uh, until I started to pay attention. And then I started to realize how hard it was to be uh, in my body. And it's important to understand that you don't have to wait until you're perfect to connect with the body. You don't have to wait until you're perfect to connect with nature. You don't have to be perfect to commit to showing up more sustainably to your life. I think that that's part of what would hold me back before is this idea that like my body wasn't good enough or like my Like just nothing was ever good enough to then start. And so I would always put this idea of committing, like really committing to like this life. I just would kind of like 
I just couldn't really connect with showing up because of a variety of reasons that, you know, when I was younger, I needed to dissociate to work with my current reality because of a lot of things that were nobody's fault. They're just like sad things and unfortunate things that unfolded in my life that my younger self required um, disassociating in order to survive or to find uh, any pleasure in my life. And at some point, Taurus, Saturn, Earth element, drying elements helped me commit to my body, my body's pleasures, my body's desires, to uh, my body's health and s- so that it can be sustainable across time so that I can live here with commitment and self-responsibility. So Taurus is deep, no joke, medicine when you invite it in at those levels, which is, of course, the way I always invite things in because I'm just like a really deep, no joke person. <laughs> and I'm not for everyone, and that's okay. So I have a couple um, suggestions for working with presence and imminence in your body on this earth at this moment, in this time. When everything has so many options, when everything feels so wet, when everything feels illogical and somewhat delusional and out of control. So some of these simple things can be walking barefoot more often outside and opening your feet to receive the earth, developing a physical contact relationship with the planet, slow eating, um, trying to at least for one meal a day not be distracted and just eat slowly. Um, I'm not saying this in a best life or kind of cute way about like so you can be aspirational. Um, I mean this in a true way of inviting in the essence of Taurus's medicine. Living more slowly in, in rhythm. Taurus is very much like about rhythm, the rhythm that's dependable like a pulse. So sleep rhythms, exercise rhythms, eating rhythms, getting all of that like more orderly in an earth kind of Saturn border boundary kind of way will really ultimately support you. Practicing thank you to nature as much as you can, like when you're walking and Wherever you are, just like being like in wonder and being in marvel at nature and saying thank you, thank you, thank you all the time. And then um, asking nature in return to just keep talking to you and just see what happens. So if, um, if I'm still uh, holding your attention, I have pulled four cards to help us at this time. And I invite you to stay and listen because 
I did this right at the heart of the Kazemi with Mercury, and um, it's a pretty profound spread that I would like to give you as more medicine before I close. So I asked the tarot, and I used my new deck, which is a deck created by Salvador Dali, the artist who I've been studying for years because my past life is as an art historian and an art writer. And um, I've always loved Dali. And I had no idea he was into the tarot, although I should have. But the tarot wasn't really in like my zone of attention until more recently. So I have this new beautiful deck gifted by my dear friend and design collaborator, Angela George. Thank you, Angela. And I decided to ask the deck four questions. So I will have this, the image of these cards in my Instagram feed at Britain LaRue if you would like to see these sumptuous images. So I asked four cards. Of the first card, I said, what is the invitation of the present moment? Meaning kind of like everything that I knew I was going to talk about here, which I had more or less kind of like scaffolded before I did the, sat down to do the tarot reading. What is the energy, the invitation of the energy? And then I asked, like, what are we not seeing? Because I think that... Um, the fishbowl analogy, like there's, there's just a real sensibility right now of like blind spots and myopia and just like, like not people not seeing very well. And so I thought that would be a, a great second card. And then I asked, how do we work with this? And then I asked, what is the gift of working with this? And the gift of working with it, it's really framed in a way of like, if you accept the, the uh, invitation, right? Like, um, it's not necessarily a gift that everyone can receive because kind of just like working with the astrology, like there are these invitations and then we have our decisions about how we work with them. So the gift comes to when we work with, right? I suppose, I suppose it can come anyway, um, unconsciously. Um, but usually how you work with it is like somewhat difficult because you have to do some ego shedding. And sure enough, an ego shedding kind of card came up. And so then you get a gift from that. So what came forward as the invitation of the present moment is the lovers, which was really exciting <clears throat> because when I was, um, like for the whole past two weeks, I've been writing the Gemini workbook and the card associated with Gemini in the tarot is the lovers. So I've just created a whole like section of writing about the lovers. I created a tarot spread to do with the lovers card and 
Um, it feels very, like Gemini as an energy feels really present right now just because with Venus slowing down and for a retrograde there for 40 days um, and all the energy sort of moving that way, like the, the north node, don't worry about the technical if you don't know what I'm talking about, but the north node's right about to move into Gemini. Like there's just going, we're moving, a lot of energy's moving towards Gemini, suffice to say. So the invitation is how do we work with that energy? So to be brief, because I've been talking a long time and I would really like to call upon Mercury to help me with receiving and sharing the essence of this spread as opposed to all the details. (laughs) The invitation of the present moment is to stop looking outside of ourselves for our answers. The invitation is to stop restlessly seeking fulfillment and oneness and wholeness from that which is outside of us. Stop avoiding what is inside of us that we refuse to look at in the hopes that something outside of us will fill us up in ways that will be better so that we can be better and instead rather be with the parts of self that Uh, we have exiled or that we don't want to love or that we repress or that we don't recognize as beautiful and wonderful and as amazing. So to me, Gemini and the lovers as an invitation is really about getting centered in with ourselves, integrating ourselves into wholeness and given the time that we're in right now, is to really get centered with our inner voice, to really call ourselves back home as um, the source of our own decision-making and the source of our own discernment and the source of our own wisdom. So that is the invitation. Love yourself as the source of the answers. We will never seek the answers, find the answers we need if we're searching for them in this climate outside of us. What are we not seeing was a, was a real uh, just um, mind blower of a card, which was nine of wands, but it's depicted so differently in this deck. You see this like wanderer, it kind of looks like it's referencing a... Gustave Courbet painting, but I'm not sure what the reference is. All of these cards reference art history in some way, like old masters, but also newer old masters. Yes, mostly men. And there's this like wanderer in the woods surrounded by these um, green staves, the wands. And then you see this like green man on the ground that's reaching towards the wanderer so I wanted to read what the the um the tarot specialist 
who did the catalog for um, the tarot, the, the Dali tarot, what he wrote about this. Because I think it's just so rich. So remember that this spread is, question is, what are we not seeing? This card is a symbol of searching, of awareness, and of intuitive perception. Many things are growing and changing, like a hunter stalking his prey or a scout exploring the way. You need to be intuitively alert and vigilant. Naturally, this card is not about the actual hunter or scout as a profession. It is a symbol of heightened awareness as a personal way of being. If your perception has been heightened, you will be better able to understand the motives and hidden interests behind certain actions. Thus, you'll be able to discover the green man, quote unquote, in the woods. His figure appears in many traditions. He symbolizes nature around us and within. Dali depicts his green man with frog's feet, thus making him an amphibious creature living between water and earth. He reaches out to the stalking hunter. On the other hand, this card shows us the final goal of all our searching. Intuition and awareness are the path as well as the destination, the journey as well as the reward. Sometimes we get lost in routine and repetition. We fail to perceive the great mystery that is awaiting us. On the other hand, this card encourages us to say goodbye to the uncivilized life of a semi-barbarian. Intuition and awareness serve to overcome certain primal fears, let go of redundant instincts and presumptions, trust your actual perceptions, and learn from all of your experiences. Practical advice, he writes. Your actual situation challenges you to become more vital and to live life to the fullest. Abandon your old fears and fulfill your most important wishes. Activate your senses. Learn to recognize outdated habits. You can't make this up. I, this deck was like screaming at me to use it today. And so, you know, if I'd gotten nine of ones in another deck, it really, it doesn't have these same uh, resonances, which is so great about using different decks is you just get layers and layers and layers of like new, new wisdom in your pocket for thinking about experience. And, you know, I always think about this card in terms of like sustaining your energy and taking care of yourself but having this be so Taurus based with the green man in the woods and turning to nature into your heightened perception and awareness as a personal way of being that's just so rich and so on point as what might be in our blind spot while we're kind of overthinking and looking outside of ourselves in the lover's card yum Okay, and so then what came forward for um, how do we work with this is the Seven of Pentacles, which is a card that here in this image, you see this woman kind of like um, hunched over. You can't see her face. You can't, she looks like, like she's crying in her lap, like something sad is happening about her. It's like very 
earth tones with the image. And then above her head, hanging over her head is like almost like a, a vision or a dream of abundance because it's like fruit and peaches and grapes and all of these yummy, like lively things, but, but they're hovering above her like she doesn't have them. And then she's surrounded by the seven of pentacles. And the seven of pentacles is a card of like feeling like when is this thing going to happen that I've been working on? Like, why isn't the, why isn't it happening? Like, I want the thing. And the medicine for seven of pentacles often has to do with patience. Um, and in this look of it, it's, it's really about, it feels like it's about realigning with ourselves. You know, it's like that idea then of what are your values and how are they changing? And like, how is what you would call a bowl of peaches changing in terms of abundance for you? Um, in the book, the guidebook, he writes, facing contradictions offers a special chance to contemplate the self and to be contemplative. We will gain our own measure and recognize our true talents only by evaluating our own experiences. Everyone possesses, possesses special talents. So how do we work with the energies? Like how do we come to our own heightened awareness and our own personal way of being? And how do we listen to the green man and like listen to our primal instincts and our intuition is like kind of sit through some work of reevaluating, reevaluating our values, reevaluating our talents, what our abilities are, like what are we offering? What are we here to offer? What am I supposed to be doing? Like, what is the path? And how can this time, you know, she sh this is an image of contraction. It's an image of despair. It's an image of like being lost, like working with this time to reevaluate and get some clarity. How are the values shifting? How is the definition of abundance shifting? You know, it's like, it's just so apparent, the inequity right now, and like a real gift right now can be everyone getting more simplified in their values and getting more um, awake to how many things, how much they don't need to restructure the resources to make them more widely available to everyone. I mean, this is what the invitation is of the astrology and the time if um, played skillfully, but everyone has to try to play skillfully, each themselves. And finally, the gift, the gift is the strength card. The gift that came is the strength card. And here we see in this image a picture of a lady with a beast, which is often seen on tarot cards uh, for strength of like a woman, a soft kind of feminine energy working with a more like quote unquote beastly 
um, masculine energy and the, the figure is like taming the beast in some way. And so the idea being that strength, strength really comes from working with and integrating our own vital primal heated nature. It's strength comes from blending our masculine and our feminine. Strength comes from approaching our own beasts within and without with an open heart and not being so defensive or like resistant to working with that energy of vitality and our like wildness strength being aligned with sun energy because it's a card we associate with leo and it's that part of us that comes to our pure self-expression our pure sense of creativity we we only get to that if we work through our fear then we get to our strength and so the gift of working with like getting from the lovers, which is a wonderful card and I love it. It's ultimately about radical self-love and not constantly seeking things from outside. The gift of working with that, working on our heightened perceptions and our intuition, working through scarcity, fear, working through changing our values, changing our definitions of abundance, changing our attachments to what we think our purpose is here and really recognizing our inborn talents and our inborn dignities and beauty what comes is through that is having tamed the beast of the self and coming into a deep strength like strength that no one can take away from you because you've done that work so a lot of these cards I think have to do, like every single one of them has some stories around working with something interior inside of us that we excommunicate or we disallow in order to actually know ourselves better. Like working with parts of facets of self that are more wild or more primal um, or more raw, or just seen as too gnarly or too different for other people to handle, that actually that's where we find ourselves. And in that process, that's how we recover our strength. So when I, so yay, thank you. Thank you, thank you, Mercury. And thank you, Salvador Dali for these beautiful images. And thank you, his name's like, Johannes something I can put it in the notes for the podcast I won't bother looking it up uh, the writer of that great guidebook and um, thank you Angela for the tarot deck this was to be a spread to give as a gift to everyone uh, for support with this full moon week and all the shifting energies that are with us now and that will continue to feel really shifting in the weeks ahead the story will begin to feel like it's changing but remember the influence of neptune that the fish doesn't really know what the human does outside that room that the fish pulls in we don't really know anything and thus we need to keep returning back to the self to gain our inner discernment to get back to the body to remember to like 
live here and commit to living here and take care of ourselves. Leaning on earth and Taurus medicine to guide us through what may feel like a lot of noise. I hope that you enjoyed that. If you're still listening, if you liked this episode, if you like this podcast, I hope you will take a moment to rate or review this show or subscribe or share it. It's um, as a new podcast person, I really um, find that so uh, valuable and so special when somebody does that. And I'm now doing it to every podcast I listen to because I really get it. And um, well, I was doing that before, but I'm doing it to even ones that I don't listen to that much. Just reciprocity, you know, reciprocity is a beautiful word that also has some Taurus themes to it. So um, take care and reach out to me if you have any thoughts, questions, or feedback that you'd like to share. Cheers.